All right. We're talking about everything today. We're talking about Russian Civil War, submarine implosions, and box office bombs. All on today's... Tony Cantwell Shit Show, thanks so much for being here, for joining me here in the shed. You might notice things have gotten a little bit sexier in here. I'm uh, pointing at my earring here. Ding ling ling. Got a new earring. Got a new earring. I'm a, I'm a big sexy genie now. It's a big one. You ain't never had a friend like me. An incredible performance. And a great singer as well. What a, what a song. Everyone talks about, you know, Prince Ali and a whole new world. Friend like me just seems like, you know, you never put it on. You'd never put it on at a party. But like, what the fuck are you doing? People get really annoyed if you did. They're like, this is too much because it's so good. And I don't know how to feel. That's the only reason people freak out. It's the same reason when you put on something like Careless Whisper at a party. And people are like, what are you doing here? Trying to ride us. It's like, you're just feeling things beyond what you can express right now. And I love you for that. I love that you have big feelings and you can't really just live with them. You can't be horny and social at the same time. I love you for that. But I am going to play it now because I am trying to write everyone here. But Never Had a Friend is a serious bop. Robin Williams, yeah, did Aladdin, right? Uh, he was the genie in it. And he was also the bat in Fern Gully, right? Not as good a flick. <laughs> Not a very good flick, right? Incredible performance from him and incredible performance from uh, Tim Curry. As the smoke monster retaxes. <gasps> the smoke, very sexy kind of smoke monster. You know, I wouldn't want to inhale him, Ran. You know, wouldn't mind getting a little little Dan Aykroyd treatment off him, though. You know, in the boudoir. But anyway, you don't need to talk about that at all. But Robin Williams did the movie and they asked him to do Aladdin. And he's like, I'd love to do Aladdin. That sounds like a lot of fun. And the way they proposed it was like, look, you go out there and do whatever you want. We're going to animate it. And he's like, that seems like an incredible new you know, uh, medium for my comedy and my improv. And they have to animate everything. And even animate, you know, references of like Richard Nixon and, you know, Jack Nicholson and all this stuff. And it's an incredible end goal. But he said, the only thing is that I really like Ferngully, this movie. Uh, the rainforest is very important to me. So, of course, I'll do your movie because it's great. But I'd really prefer if the genie isn't kind of front and center in the marketing because I don't want Ferngully to flop. And I'm kind of the face of that. And they said, absolutely, we're not going to put, you know, we won't put your name above the poster. The genie will feature very, and then the poster comes out, and it's essentially just the genie. <laughs> and some very small um, agrabands, you know, um, in Aladdin and Jasmine on the magic carpet and all that stuff. But it's pretty much the genie movie. And he was so annoyed that he vowed never to work with Disney again. And eventually, I think when they did Flubber, to get him on site, they bought him a Picasso. They just bought him a Picasso, a big red Picasso. And he actually turned it down and he said, I don't want this Picasso. It doesn't go. He actually gave it to someone else. He's like, it doesn't go with anything in my gaff. I don't really have anything red here, you know, apart from my top hat from the movie uh, Toys. You know, but he must have kept that in his jacks or something. So thought that was interesting. Anyway, I have an earring, big sexy earring. Um, tell you what was not very sexy, though. Um, Re-piercing it myself on the streets. And it bleeding. Bleeding ugly. Bleeding ugly. No, bleeding heavily. Down my uh, leg, but my, my ear and my shoulder. And then having to, like, you know, lick my fingers and be like, and like eating myself. I'm there eating myself, drinking my own blood. Like a sexy vampire anthropod with my little mandibles. Didn't look very cool at all. So I've just found out what the word anthropod means. <laughs> You're going to be hearing a lot about that. Um, there is a German word for when you find out about something, like a new word, and you start seeing it everywhere. But there should be a German word, like when you find out about avocados, and you just see them everywhere. That happened at one point for me. They're too kind of, you know, um, too present now, I think, for an avocado to be like, I've just found out about avocados. You know, they're everywhere. But back when I, it doesn't matter. I feel like there should be a German word for when you find out about a new word, and you use it all the time. And uh, anthropod is that for me, you know. Did you know that's over 60, maybe even 90%? I don't remember what it said when I went to the British Museum, uh, the Natural History Museum. Did you know over 95% of things are anthropods? Anthropods are like 
Anthropods basically your basically your go-to skeleton, your crabs, your langosteens, your lobsters. Basically, I'm with a shell is an anthropod. And I was just thinking, like, I've said this before, you know, if beetles or anything, an ant, could just get big, could just fucking, you know, pull the fucking finger out and get big, you know, we'd we, you would be everywhere, you know? They'd be everywhere. We'd do everything from them. They must be walking around with us and our fleshy bodies with no exoskeleton, no hardy exoskeleton. They must look at us, their big fleshy bellies, and think... If I was 10 feet taller, oh my God, oh my days. Look at you just showing off your delicious meat there. Do you know how hard it is to get get that from a cockroach? You know, takes ages. I'm peeling it, you know. But they're just looking at us being, you know. It must be like walking around seeing 200 meter tall fried chicken. And just being like, oh, if only my mandibles were big enough. You know, but um, but you're not big. You're tiny. And I'll stomp on you. We've been crushing a lot of bugs in our house recently. The fruit fly epidemic of of two, three. My wife's gone fucking mental trying to kill all the bugs, all the flies, fruit flies, you know. And she's kind of now trying to, you know, beforehand we would have been like, had a loose, like I don't kill spiders, you know. I hate them. No, I don't kill spiders. I catch them. Because my son likes spiders. We have a spider who lives in a hot press. We call him Petey. And, um, you know, we like him. So we leave him in there. You know, but we like spiders mainly because they kill the fruit flies, says my wife. But anyway, actually having to present your your kind of, your creed, you know, your kind of, your statement on insects. Like which ones you can kill, which ones you can't. You have to do that, you know, in the, uh, you know, for for to set a lesson for the kids, you know. So Terry's like, well, I kill mos- well, Sonny, I kill mosquitoes because they like to eat your daddy. And um, and I kill fruit flies because they eat our food and the food can go bad. And if we eat that food, we get very sick. Get very sick. So we got killed them, every single one of them. So she's like figuring out ways. She's got three different. Um, she's got rice wine vinegar. She's got like a sugary drink and a glass of wine just sitting out. To trap the fruit flies. She's even using her good wine glass because it's got a thin mouth and a wide butt. So you can catch them in there. Kind of like a pitcher plant. And she's obsessed with it. She's checking it every half an hour. She is probably the greatest ninja that's ever lived when it comes to killing bugs. We were in the gaff, we were in the sitting room there, kids had gone to bed, and there was a blue bottle winding me up. Now he's not on our kill list, but you know, kids were asleep, so Daddy was going fucking rogue trying to kill his blue ball because it was allowed and it was annoying me. For how loud it is to me, it must be so annoying for them, you know. Imagine everywhere you went, it was like, Aah! you know. It's annoying for me. And I was just trying to chill, you know. And this one was getting real fucking cocky, landing on my fingers and stuff, right. So I was trying to kill it. And I don't, I didn't play, I didn't go to the Kit Kat club, okay. I didn't, I've never played tennis, okay. This is what I tell myself to excuse my weak sauce swinging. And I'll tell you this. I was swinging a fucking atlas to try and kill this thing. An atlas. And the third time I smacked off the TV, Terry stopped doing what she was doing. She was doing a bit of work. She's like, all right, fucking I'll do it, right? And just like caught it with her hands. Caught it with her hands. This woman could catch a fruit fly with a chopstick. Absolutely incredible. I don't find it attractive, but I find it very impressive. Not everything has to be attractive. Not everything has to be like just, you know, doesn't have to all live and hang by that thread. I suppose it is attractive. Sometimes her competency threatens me, and sometimes I find it very attractive. I was, I was, I didn't know how to fully, I didn't know what my take was on this. But anyway, she saved me from this blue ball, and then she made me a cracker and put a bit of butter on it. Because <laughs> I'm the baby. I'm actually the baby in the family. But there's been a lot of fucking fruit flies around, and do you know what it is? Do you know what it is? It's the. It's not like the fruit flies are really bothering me yet. They're eating all the food and all that stuff. That's annoying. It's the emotional. It's it's like what I'm saying about playing Careless Whisper. You know, your emotions are coming f- really hard through your body, and the emotions that you're feeling, and so you act out and you get really annoyed. Why should why the fly annoy you so much? It's because for me, the emotion I'm feeling is this motherfucker's making me out to be dirty. These flies are here because I'm dirty, because I live in dirt, because I'm smelly, okay? 
Call a spade a spade. There's flies around. Why was there, Why would there be flies around? Because yours truly is fucking smelly. And that makes, they make me feel smelly. They make me feel this big, as big as them, when they're flying around. And so I'm out there with my fucking Atlas, swinging it around, smashing into my OLED TV. All right? Because they make me feel so smelly, you know? And I think that's part of it. Spiders are like, oh, what did a mischievous little spider do to get in here? Maybe there's a level of upkeep that hasn't been followed through in terms of getting rid of the cobwebs. Fine. But food out. Fruit flies. The people who live in this house are smelly, mate. They're stinky people. Okay, bro. So that's the emotion that's kind of passing through a fucking keyhole for me. And it comes out in a fucking fire of anger. Irrational anger towards a little fly, you know. But apparently there's just a lot of flies floating about these days, you know. I don't know anything about that. I don't know anything about flies. I don't know when they come. I don't know when they leave. I don't know what their season is. I don't know what midgy season is. I could. Very, I brought the, the family out for a walk there two weeks ago. There was fucking midgy, midgy's galore, right? And we we weren't wearing any of our fucking petrol or whatever the fuck. Like, that shit you have to put on your body. Just to, like, I've said this before, you know, that deet that you have to put on your body to scare mosquitoes away. You have to put something on so smelly that even the stinky bugs don't like it, you know? There needs to be a better system. I remember seeing something on Radiolab, or listening to something on Radiolab, that said that there is no found, um, you know, what's it called? You know, geo-biological uh, purpose. It sounds smart, but it's so dumb what I just said. There's no geo... geo um, Geobiological purpose. I was just saying that there's no geobiological, uh, geobiological purpose for these midges, man. They got to get rid of them. Now there was talk of um, just completely like, you know, um, neutering mosquitoes and wiping them all out. They they're not a huge source of protein for some other fucking animal. But then I think they disproved that. But I don't want to know about that. You know what I mean? If I hear there's been a new revelation to like disprove something that I really held on to, I'm like, don't want no. Don't want to know. Don't want to know about that. I like living in my world where there was no purpose for mosquitoes. Wasps as well can go. Because if you ain't making honey, you ain't deserve to live, honey. No, hang on. This is my policy on stingy flying things. If you ain't making honey, you ain't worth my money. You should die. Okay? My, just my policy. Anyway. Let's do some current affairs. The submarine was found imploded. It was found smashed. The Ocean Gate um, submersible, the Titan, um, put together by engineer and deep sea explorer Stockton Rush, who unfortunately perished as well, as well as four other um, shipmates, crewmates, including a billionaire, um, a Pakistani businessman and his son and a French deep sea explorer, veteran deep sea explorer, um, about an hour and 45 minutes into its descent to visit the Titanic wreckage on a tourism kind of expedition. Um, it, it it imploded. And there was a huge, huge news. Everyone was talking about it because they were, the whole thing was, if it was, say, snagged, which has happened before, um, an ABC news reporter went down um in a submersible before to visit the Titanic and got wedged behind the propeller because of strong currents. And everyone, you know, was talking about, oh, well, it could be stuck. It could be this. But the big thing was this air supply. You know, I mean, if the news, if, if the, the, if the purpose of the news is not to kind of profiteer off people's fear, like this couldn't have been more clear. All the claustrophobes and people who don't like swimming came out of woodwork. Everyone was talking about, so, you know, experts, so what would life be like down there at 4,000 feet? You know, well, you know, they've been there for, you know, over three days. You, you, the smell of feces would be like, every, like they're, they're imploded. They're imploded. But everyone was kind of painting these more and more grim, you know, uh, horrible pictures of what life will be like down there. They're likely sitting down there with towels over their head just to uh, conserve their oxygen 
um, you know, um, they would be banging Morse code uh, on the hour every hour. Um, you know, likely there's no light. Likely they're freezing cold. Likely they're terrified. Likely they may even be trying to desperately pull uh, the levers to get out. Um, you know, uh, they cannot, and then this is a big thing, they cannot get out because they're bolted in. There are 17 bolts locking them inside. You know, all this crazy. And the countdown, 90 hours of oxygen remain, 72 hours of oxygen remain, 20 hours, zero oxygen remains. And we're like, and we're all like, like, there was no other way to live other than with the reality that there are, you know, five tourists trapped in one of the, the in the mo most remote place on planet Earth that you can possibly be, you know, with no, with a very slim chance to be rescued, you know. The Air Force were flying over the sea just to see what they could see, 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 to see if there was maybe that it was just bobbing in the air sometime, you know, somewhere, that they were actually above the sea just with no oxygen, you know, and there were divers going down, you know. And I said that, and sometimes because of my previous history as a conspiracy theorist and just my skepticism towards the purpose of the news. Remember I was talking about how Holly Willoughby basically released a press release saying that she's actually fallen out with Philip Schofield, hasn't spoken to him in two days. And that was on the news, RTE News, two days on the drop. Um, like that is a press release. That isn't like RTE Radio 1 or like, what we write about today. It landed on their desk and they read it like news, you know. So I believe that a lot of the news is a fabrication. And of course, now we see that it's incredibly uh, lucrative lies, you know, basically painting the idea that, you know, this these billionaires could be running low on oxygen, just playing into every claustrophobe's fear, you know, and us just fucking dining on it, you know, watching 24 hour. And this is the interesting thing as well. If this was like, uh, you know, if there was if this was in a cave somewhere, they could bring out trucks there. You know, news reporting trucks would be outside this cave and they would have 24-7 news reports talking to people being like, and apparently the guy who's in the cave is an alcoholic, you know. They'd be doing it. And they did all this stuff and they tried, before the, you know, they even found the vehicle, they had already talked about the billionaire, you know, they'd already talked about Stockton Rush and he was a deep sea explorer. And then he was like, oh, this guy sounds very impressive. Then they start revealing, oh, this thing's made out of stuff that you can buy in, you know, Dick's Sporting Goods, you know, a light from Camping World, a Logitech controller, and everyone starts becoming this fucking backseat engineer being like, I knew they shouldn't have used three different types of material. No, basically, right, half it was titanium, half it was carbon fire, and then they did a plexiglass fucking hole on it. Submarines, basically, would never go down to that depth, and they're all made of one material. You know, everyone was a fucking expert on this, you know. Um, but the whole media cycle, like, the whole rise of Stockton Rush, then then the, the murder of the profile of Stockton Rush, and being like, how the hubris, the hubris, and everyone having a fucking opinion on this. When if it was just like, oh, this thing went down and it imploded, and people are still talking about it. I'm still lapping up all the news I can get on submersibles and watching a lot. I started replaying Subnautica, a game where you go underwater. I was entertained and maybe even playing Bioshock, but then I was like, there's not enough water there, you know? So it's in the zeitgeist again deep sea exploration and then they found it they found the remains exactly where they were but they just couldn't get they had to basically send out these robo these french robo divers beep boop beep boop no that's not french fucking fucking hell that's more french robots down there and it was exactly where they thought it was but what's so insane about this is the people died and they were never trapped. But we live in this kind of world where they could have been trapped and they because we talked about it for a long time. Underwater, drowning, um, buried alive, claustrophobia, you know, just people being a bit too close to you for a while, you know, social fucking distance, all these things wrapped up into one submersible package down by the Titanic, which is also a juicy little detail, right? We kind of live in an alternate history where that happened. It didn't happen. But we live in a history where that happened. And then when we find out the reality that they actually were crushed at 10,000 tons of force and the air in the chamber heated to 
hotter than the sun. 25 times faster than you can blink, times faster than you can feel pain. That we're like, oh, great. Oh, good. But like, it's, just, it's only because the contrast of a long, slow death was actually replaced with an immediate, cannot imagine more violent, but immediate death. We're actually kind of like, they're not really mourned because it's kind of like, oh, good. That's how I want to go. That's how I'd want to go. It's just so insane. Like, James Cameron came out with a big kind of, I told, James Cameron, all right? I've said time and time again, never doubt James Cameron. James Cameron is a fucking different species. He may even be Navi, right? This man has built his own submarine. He's been on the deck of the Titanic longer than the captain has been on the Titanic. He's been down there so many times. He's 31 dives down to the Titanic. He's gone down to Mariana's Trench. He's, he's built his own submarine. This man, this director, all right? has built, this Oscar-winning director, has built his own submarine, gone down there multiple times. He came out, not exactly with, like, I told you so, but with heavily implied I told you so vibes. Basically said, as soon as I heard they'd lost communications, I knew they were dead, because the anyone who actually knows anything about these submarines knows that the communications is self-contained, has its own battery, it wouldn't be snagged on anything, wouldn't have lost. Um, he also was like, that's just a likely explanation, there's too many fail-safes for them to be able to come back up. And also, he was like, we spent so much time talking about this, flying over thousands of miles of sea, you know, um, to see if they'd miraculously come up to bob above the surface. Um, we had divers going down there and all this stuff. And he's like, these French droids, beep, boop, beep, boop, found them down there, exactly where they lost communications, you know. Now, he did kind of turn the fucking... Turned the fucking dagger a little bit, being like, this is exactly the same hubris as the people in the Titanic. I'm like, ah, come on. No shit! <laughs> no shit. Now, I know he's Captain fucking obvious. And that's what I like about his movies. The goodies are good, the baddies are bad. The goodies are blue, the baddies are pink. Sometimes black. You know? I like, you know, aliens bad, humans good. Unless it's Avatar. If it's aliens, aliens very bad. You know? So, like, he's obvious. He's very obvious. But I love his movies, you know. Um, but, like, he did also say, though, that he had heard, he had Navy intel, because he just fucking knows people in the Navy. And he was like, yeah, they heard a loud bang on Monday at the same time the thing went missing. So, you know, put two and two together. I would like for James Cameron, given his inside-out knowledge of the deep sea, he also has incredible knowledge of AI, having made Terminator and Terminator 2 Judgment Day. I would appreciate if he'd be a bit more punctual with the warnings on the AI thing. You know, I don't want him going on CNN while Anderson Cooper is getting his skull crushed like a vice under the foot of a fucking T-800, right? Is it T-800? Is the exoskeleton one? You know? Crushing the fucking... Crushing his little... His glasses with massive white hair bursting through little robot toes, right? And James Cameron just be like, I knew about this on Monday. You know? Be more punctual, James Cameron. Not that it would have made a difference, but just insane. We literally saw an entire news cycle fabricate a potential playing on all of our worst fears, and we bought it. Hook, line, und sinker. Yeah, very interesting. Quick thing on James Cameron while I'm still talking about this. I know this is current affairs, and maybe I should save this for the entertainment package, but this is my theories of what's going to be in the next Avatar movies, right? Avatar 5 was pushed back to, like, 2031, which is very annoying. I am going to be 45. I'm going to be 45 when that flick comes out. I think Avatar 3 is going to be... They go underground. I think that they know what's going to happen is the bad Avatars, Nav Navi, are going to go to the islands, right? Then all the avatars are going to have to go under, all the Navi are going to go underground, right? And then you're going to see a different type of Navi, right, with big eyes. And they're going to kind of glow in a kind of like bioluminescent cave kind of way. And then the caves, the water, and the sky Navi are going to come back. And Avatar 4 is going to be invasion of Earth. They will terraform uh, Pandora. And they will change it. And then the Navi are going to come for vengeance. I wouldn't be surprised if they wipe out half the fucking Navi. 
I wouldn't be surprised if this is where James Cameron's going, being like, it's only going to end when the natural world is completely destroyed and the natural world comes for vengeance. In other news, Russian civil war was narrowly uh, evaded. There was a chance that there was going to be Russian civil war. I didn't really read uh, the full article, but from my understanding is um, a guy called Yevgeny Prigozhin sent an email to Putin with an attachment of Wagner from X Factor singing the B-52s Love Shack. And Putin just saw Wagner B-52s, thought there was an air raid coming. Got the fuck out there real quick. It is a lesson for everyone. Read your emails, guys. Read your emails. Putin missed out on an incredible rendition that also featured Wagner from X Factor singing She Bangs, you know? And Putin bangs a lot. Blows a blow, loads things, you know? Um, no, what happened was Wagner Group. And this is how I also just don't understand. Maybe I just, maybe I just genuinely just need to read more so I can be a bit more... Um, you know, aware, I can have a bit more critical thought with my news source. But Terry was like, oh, do you see um, a mercenary group is uh, of 25,000 troops is marching on Moscow to overthrow Putin? I'm like, oh, cool. And then I Google it. And then I find out that they're Nazis. I'm like, ah, you know, this is why life is not Hollywood, you know. This is why life is not Hollywood. You're like, oh, that doesn't sound good either. Oh, you know, but, you know, it is showing the seams. The fact that there were so many Russian troops laid down their arms while Wagner came in singing Love Shack, baby. And lastly, in current affairs, Ryan Tuberty, nice guy, Mr. Saccharin Sweet, Mr. Good Man, Good Person, Ryan Tuberty, was found out to be a slag, was found out to be a skank, was paid, um... Around 350,000 euro, more than was disclosed since um, 2017. Basically, for the last five years, he's got paid an average of 75,000 euro more. The highest paid presenter in RTE was paid on average 75,000 more. What happened was basically um, they had to take pay cuts. He accepted a pay cut. But his agent negotiated that he shouldn't have to take a pay cut. And they figured out, all right, look, if we can just figure out a way of getting 75,000 euro more from a sponsor, that can go directly to him. They didn't disclose that at the time. They didn't disclose that detail. And they didn't disclose that when the sponsor fucking pulled out, that all that money was still going to come out of the 191 million. Can you believe? Orti, take 190. What we're watching is the outcome of unskippable ads on the RT player ads before this this episode of whatever is brought to you by this and then a shitload of ads on the national broadcaster as well as 191 million now I would love to work with RT at some point but you know everyone's criticizing this even the people inside RT so don't come for me okay 191 million of the um, license fee and 350,000 of that and not the money that was coming in from sponsorship uh, went to Ryan. Good man. Honest man, Ryan Tuberty. But I'll be honest, I'm a little butthurt by the whole thing. I was also one of the people, Peter McGann being another, and who knows, potentially other comedians as well, who were offered 200 euro to feature in an RTE sketch show, to write and star in a sketch for a sketch show. 200, 200 euro. And me and Peter were talking about it, and we were like, I really want to do it, but I'm, I can't for the sake of my um, for the sake of, of my character do it for 200 euro. I, I think I have to value my talents a little bit more than that. So then Peter pulled out, and they offered me they offered me 350. <laughs> they offered me, and this is I'm not having to go with the producers here. I'm not having to go with the show. They are they their budgets are what they are because that's what RT allocate. For that, for comedy, for a sketch show. So I, I'm not, there's no hard feelings. There's no worries if not at all about this, okay? But 200 euro to, to be in a, to write and be in a sketch that I would then post on my socials as well just to get more people watching the show, it wasn't enough and we both turned it down. And then when Peter turned it down first, they came to me and said, look, we've upped it now to 350. I'm like, where's the 50 quid gone? I know you offered Peter fucking two, you know, <laughs> where's the 50 quid? That's, but like, that's, that, that money, essentially, has gone to, to Ryan Tuberty. 
You know? And it's not like the, the producers are just pocketing that. They should have had more money to make the show. They should have had more money to make a season of, of, of Irish comedy television. You know? Um, but that's all going to tubs. And it wasn't disclosed. And no one, you know, was made was made the wiser about it. I was also... Um, I also featured in a show where I found out that last minute that there was a sponsor. That they shoehorned in a sponsor for the TV show, maybe looking to recoup the money for tubs. But no one in that in that show saw any of the money. But they they were they were then asked to reshoot scenes that featured this sponsor, and the sponsor also featured in the opening credits. Last minute, with only a few weeks' notice, they had to do this, and no single person in that show saw any of the fees from that. And the fact that everyone got their goodbyes, you know, I'm sure maybe D Forbes won't get her kind of retirement party. Um, you know, she was already on the way out. Now she's officially quit. Hasn't still, still hasn't explained. And what I find fascinating as well is that I'm listening about all this news from RTE on RTE Radio 1. And they're so angry because all these people are denied pay rises. All these people who work really hard. All those producers probably in there before Tubbs comes in, you know, to do his 9 to 10 o'clock show, you know, every day. Everyone's really annoyed about it, you know, because all these people were denied, were denied that money. That money could have made a huge difference for everyone else who works there. And it's not like you're going to fucking lose. This is I saw this on Twitter as well. I don't know who said this. They're like, the whole argument was that they needed something to keep Ryan Tuberty. Ryan Tuberty's not going fucking anywhere, right? What's he going to do? Make it fucking big in the UK? He's palatable for Irish audiences. He's palatable for the people who watch the Late Late Show, okay? He's like, that's fine. That's digestible. That's easy, right? It's like reading an issue of fucking Ireland's own live on screen you know it's quaint it's nice it's fine it's inoffensive that's the power of him and it's only applicable to irish audiences he's not gonna the all idea is like we might lose him to the uk and this tweet was saying what about all the people who had to fucking move to the uk at the start of their career because they couldn't afford to live here because rte weren't giving them any any platform to provide their level of entertainment comedy you know what about the comedians who can't live in dublin you know, or have to commute to come in just to do live gigs that are not being broadcast on RTE. You got Virgin now doing footage for Crack Den Comedy Show, you know? Crack Den, who is a live, you know, do regular comedy shows every single week, a couple of week, and they've got a show on RTE that they pretty much have to fucking shoot and produce themselves, you know? But that opportunity wasn't even there for RTE. The only way to get on RTE was to ha- make something yourself on the RTE player, and then last minute, have them fucking slap a fucking sponsor on it, and take all the profits into the big fucking hole that's not being totally disclosed. Not cool. And I like the fact that people now feel they have the confidence to be so critical with them because they were the only, they are the only game in town. But, you know, it's like when, you know, you saw Jay-Z getting smashed up by Solange. And I'm like, oh shit, are we really talking about, uh, talking shit about Jay-Z and Beyonce now? Oh, are we really going? That's what it feels like with RTE now. Can we actually talk shit about RTE now for a second? Us performers, you know? But, you know, this is the same RTE that, uh, that threatens to use, go with another voiceover artist if I couldn't do it, uh, the changes that they made with a few hours' notice, even though they have to go through a voiceover agent and it could be over a day and all this stuff. They literally threatened me over the phone to say they were going to go with another voiceover artist. I'm just saying, to squeeze the little guy, the little performer, you know, you know, and then to be giving... 75 grand more and not telling anyone about it. I thought this would be funnier. <laughs> I thought this would be funnier. But it's not cool. You know? Anyway, let's get into some entertainment news. The Flash bombed. The Flash. It bombed. The movie no one wanted to pull together all the stories that no one liked to tee up a new universe. This is the thing. Like, what were they fucking thinking? What were they thinking? Making this movie in the first place, right? Releasing the movie. They shit-canned Batgirl because David Zaslav from Warner Bros. looked at it. He's like, I don't like it. Binned it. A whole movie. Binned. Not even put on HBO Max. Not even just put somewhere where all they'd have to pay for is the fucking bandwidth for people to watch it, right? Binned. Meanwhile, Ezra Miller, they're off, climbing in your windows, snatching your people up, right? Uh, like doing things beyond, beyond cancelable, allegedly, and then putting this 
this person front and center uh, in a movie. And they, there was no way they could do it. I watched it. I watched the pirate version of it. <laughs> and uh, it's not very good at all. Even with Michael Keaton's Batman. But Ezra, there are two Ezra Millers in every single frame of this flick. There was nothing they could do. But now they're saying that given how bad of a box office bomb it was, I mean, 55 million in the first weekend, 300 million budget, including marketing, they, it actually would have saved money if they actually just never released it, you know. But it's an interesting time for these movies. It, it was such a, it was an insane decision to release this movie. The Flash is not a huge hero. Ezra Miller is not a box office star and is incredibly cancelled, all right? So, but then as well, for it to be a multiverse movie when we're all getting multi multiverse fatigue, okay? This comes out after Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness, after two Spider-Verse movies, one of which is being hailed as potentially the greatest animated movie that's ever been made um, and a huge, you know, box office draw. It's also fucking Spider-Man, and not The Flash. People love The Flash show, right? Not having to go with them. They like that Flash TV show on the WB. Good for them, right? But this is like the annoying character who has no charisma. I heard someone, I think it was Van Lathan on the Ringer podcast said that you needed someone like Tom Hanks. The personability of Tom Hanks to carry this whole movie, which Ezra Miller, they do not. Okay. Um... I'm being so clear to get Ezra Miller's pronouns right that I'm actually just throwing in they's which are so unnecessary. So apologies for that, but I'm trying to figure it out. Um, so, and also, why would anyone see this movie? Like, for for the sake of the movie, if the whole thing is about wrapping up this connected universe and this whole connected thing, thread, through these movies being of such importance, which I don't think it is, and we'll get more into that when I talk about Secret Invasion, right? The connected tissue of these things is probably the weakest sauce of these whole things, and it's dragging down the whole product on the Marvel side, on the DC side. Good stories just need to be told. But anyway, this is a movie wrapping up this whole universe, still connected, and also kicking off the new universe. So basically, you got this movie with a cancelled star who is not a star, and uh, James Gunn, who is now the co-president of DC Pictures. It's so insane the fact that one person basically found a tweet by his when he was about to make Guardians of the Galaxy 3 where James Gunn was uh, making a mean joke about disabled children. He got cancelled, taken off Guardians 3, given carte blanche to do whatever he wants for a DC movie, makes the Suicide Squad, it goes really well. Then he gets put back on Guardians while he's on Guardians and that's coming out. Gets given the keys to the kingdom to make all the DC movies and be in charge of all the DC movies, including writing and directing his own... um, uh, Superman movie all because one person tried to ruin his career <laughs> like if that is not the most ineffective subtweet ever this person trying to ruin his career and ended up giving him I mean like unparalleled like Steven Spielberg you know in fucking um, DreamWorks level of, of power here you know anyway uh, James Gunn also in the last three months has said we're shit canning everything we're sacking Henry Cavill. We're putting an end to the Snyderverse thing. The DCEU is no more. Oh, shit, no, sorry. We also have a Flash movie coming out. You should check it out. It's the best superhero movie ever made. It doesn't have, doesn't have any... You don't have to watch it because we're totally rebooting everything. But you should check it out. Oh, shit, Aquaman's coming out as well. Sorry. Oh, and Blue Beetle is also coming out. But that's also going to be the first movie in the new universe. <laughs> you know? Why would you care? And this is what's very interesting now. Is that the... I was listening to a podcast about this. Like, they have forecasting when it comes to these movies, and they expect these movies to make money, and they expect these movies to make money based on how much people are talking about it. I'm talking about them, but I'm not going to go see them. I watched a pirate copy of Flash because I didn't think it was going to be good. I heard it wasn't going to be very good. The reviews came out was very bad, and I just wanted to even watch a cam-quality version of it just to see what it, what it looked like, what actually happens in it. I wanted to see Michael Keaton's Batman, not going to lie, and it wasn't very good. It wasn't very good. It was very dissatisfying. I love Michael Keaton. He's a good old Bruce Wayne. In fact, if this movie did well, they were potentially going to make a Batman Beyond. That's where Bruce Wayne is really old, raising a young kind of protege Batman. They're not going to make that movie now. That's not happening. You know. Um, But where was I going with this? They seem to think people talking about movies dictates the success of the box office. That's no longer the case. And I know that from my personal enjoyment of a lot of of Marvel and, and comic book movies now, 
and this is no hard feelings, and I will never be able to thank Marvel for what they've given me in the everything leading up to Endgame, what they gave me. But I used to go on lads. It was my way of going always to the cinema. It was always just there's not even an issue. It was like it was like telling Terry I'm going to a funeral, you know. No matter what's on, I'm like, hey, look, new fucking Marvel movie out. I'm going with Lance. We're going to see it, you know. No interest now anymore. There's no interest in any of these movies. None of them feel like there's anything to hang your hat on, you know. It's formulaic. It's Z-list heroes like Ant-Man. They have Fantastic Four and they have fucking X-Men. I'm getting annoyed now, right. They just need to make a good story. But like like no one's actually going to see the movies now. You know, even the star power of The Rock couldn't prop up Black Adam. Shazam Fury of the Gods was a flop. Guardians did okay. Black Panther 2 didn't do very well. And then you've got Secret Invasion, this show. And this is like, oh, this is the next thing, though. And they've such a huge opportunity here to have fun. Shape-shifting scrolls, you know, they might not be who you think they are. Invasion of the Body Snatcher shit. You know, everyone might not be, you know, you think it's an exciting premise. You know, it's a spy. It could, could be a spy thriller. And then you're watching this show. And then Amelia Clark, Daenerys, is like Ben Mendelsohn's daughter. And like, I feel like she must be like the kingpin in this whole thing because they're shooting her very small. They're making her purpose. I've never seen her look this small. She never looked this small as Daenerys, even though she's small. Everyone's like hovering over her. She's walking around. She's got a kind of like lollipop little fucking head. Like, tiny little figure and a massive head, you know? Don't know why that's important, but someone once told me that all Hollywood actors have really small bodies and massive heads, and that's why they look really good on screen. Anyway. And it's just this Falcon and the Winter Soldier shit again. Refugees. Terrorists. Loads of new characters. Uh, You know, are they a freedom fighter? Are they a terrorist? It's so fucking boring. It's so boring. And not even Samuel L. Jackson going full fucking jewels, you know? Does he look like a bitch? Is going to prop up the show. Olivia Coleman comes out after like the first 20 minutes. And like it's almost like I just put on VR goggles. Because she leaps off the fucking screen. But there is nothing in Marvel. The only thing I'm excited about right now is Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. It's the only thing I'm excited about. I'm excited about the new Dungeons and Dragons as a franchise. I think that's very interesting. You know. But has it... I mean, the, the po- we're definitely post-peak comic book movies. Matt Reeves will make another Batman. Will Superman work? Has Superman ever worked since Christopher Reeve? Will James Gunn's Superman... Like, there's a Superman TV show on right now, and there's Smallville, and everyone knows the origin of Superman. Is there anything you can do on screen that will make Superman look good? Is there even a visual effect that would resonate with Superman? Guardians, you can play with all this kind of really fun Roger Corman, you know, 70s kind of inspired B-movie. And that's the whole aesthetic of Guardians of the Galaxy. And that's what James Gunn's very good at, you know, is making it. This looks a bit naff, but it's supposed to be naff. Star Wars now is leaned into looking a bit naff. Having puppets look really naff standing next to, you know, humans in The Mandalorian. And that's like, oh, that's part of it, you know. But will super? is there a visual effect that would ever look good now with Superman? Because there's no CG that would really leave you with your fucking jaw on, you know, on the floor. So how's that going to work? Are we, is it over? Is it over? Anyway, now I'm going to talk about UFOs in the x Piles. A former intelligence official turned whistleblower has given Congress, um, Uh, extensive classified information about deeply covert programs that he says possess retrieved intact and partially intact craft of non-human origin. This is fucking huge news. He also gave an interview um, last week where he was asked outright, do you believe the extraterrestrial vehicles and have alien bodies been found? And he said, yes. Yes. I know you don't feel anything anymore, but try fucking feel something for this, right? The information has been illegally withheld from Congress, and he filed a complaint alleging that he suffered illegal retaliation for his uh, confidential disclosures reported here for the first time. This guy is a former combat officer. He's a veteran in the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency and the National Reconnaissance Office, and he was basically served informing this kind of task force for uh, unidentified 
aerial phenomena. They don't call them UFOs anymore because they take them seriously now. I'd love to see UAPs. You know, you got students, standard price, and UAPs, you know. Um, that's, you know, OAPs. I didn't know what an OAP was for years, and I would always go to the cinema. I'm like, what's a fucking OAP? How do I become an OAP? And I was like, I actually visualized them as like almost like Navi, just these superior humans, better than everyone else, walking in like, I'll have the OAP price, please. Like, what are you going to fucking do about it? Then I found it was old age pensioner. You don't see many of those prices around anymore. Anyway, the task force was established to investigate what were once called UFOs and are now called unidentified aerial uh, anomalous phenomena. The task force was led uh, by the Department of the Navy under the Secretary of Defense for Intelligence and Security. It has since been reorganized and expanded into an all-new department called the All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, the ADARO, uh, to include investigation of uh, objects operating underwater. Fuck! He got underwater shit as well. Where were, where were you? Where were you for Hamish Harding? Where were you for Stockton Rush? In filing his complaint, this is why people are talking about it, right? Because he's like, you're hiding this. You're hiding this from Congress. And he's presenting it to Congress. And th what's amazing about this now is these are not going on TMZ. They're going to Congress and then they become news because someone is like, the government is not being totally accurate about what they're showing you, you know? Now, again, I do believe all this. And I unfortunately let this slip. Again, I, I sometimes put my tinfoil hat on, right? I didn't actually finish my point on the Titan. I thought that if they found the, the, the crewmates on the Titan, the submarine, that it would be proof that this is completely fabricated news um, and this was a news story to take our eyes off something else, to have a global focus on a rescue mission. You know, I'm not saying the Thai boys weren't real. I do believe they were real. But sometimes this tinfoil hat goes on and I can't take it off. It fuses to my head sometimes. And I think, oh, well, that's convenient now. Everyone's talking about something else. Let's see what the bad news is this week, you know. Um, you know let's see if Greenland invaded somewhere because they'd love everyone talking about this rather than their fucking, you know. Uh, invasion anyway um so i also then recently were hanging out with um we we're doing the eurovision show and it was before we kicked off with shane burn uh shane daniel burn killing sunderman finula J. and i was like i do believe that and i said this to them outright i was like i do believe in the next few years there's going to be some fake alien invasion started that is going to lead to uh new rules brought in on a global level and then they were like what Ugh, what? And like, I get it. And I agree, you know? I think this is my James Cameron I told you so when the alien invasion thing happens. I don't really believe it. I don't really believe it. But I kind of believe it 5%. 5%. Not even a tinfoil hat. A tinfoil uh, thimble on my head. We are not talking about prosaic origins or identities, Grush said, referencing the information. The material includes intact and partially intact vehicles. But these disclosures, right? Basically, it says here in the article, are showing that there's this, uh, a growing determination by people in government to actually get to the bottom of what's been going on. You know, that there is a, now rather than being like, oh, fuck your tinfoil hat and the tinfoil horse you rode in on, they're like, all right, maybe we should actually be having these conversations. Because even if there isn't aliens, there's still an aspect of technology being withheld from the public. And that's been made very clear. Another guy, Christopher Mellon. Oh my God, this guy. Is he a returned gentleman, this Christopher Mellon? Honeydew, baby. He says, um, 20 years in the U.S. intelligence community, and I'm, and I'm slagging his fucking name. A number of well-placed current and former officials have shared detailed information about me regarding this alleged program, including insights into the history, governing documents, and the location where a craft was allegedly abandoned and recovered. Abandoned? Meaning they walked out. The aliens are walking out. However, it is a delicate matter getting this potentially explosive information into the right hands for validation. This is made harder by the fact that, rightly or wrongly, a number of potential sources do not trust the leadership of the ADRO. Jonathan Gray, um, oh, Mr. Gray, I wonder if he's got a saucy BDSM dungeon in his office. He's a genera generational, he's a generational officer in the United States intelligence community with top secret clearance, currently working for the National Air and Space Intelligence Center, NASIC, uh, where the analysis of UAPs has been a focus. He said. The non-human intelligence phenomenon is real. We are not alone. Retrievals of this kind are not limited to the United States. This is a global phenomenon, and yet a global solution continues to elude us. And so, what's interesting about this is, with all this coming out, it's kind of putting the focus on the governments to actually disclose and come together 
to reveal potentially what has been going on. What do I think it is? I think, I don't think that there are, I don't believe in aliens. I do believe in aliens, but I believe in them as a kind of higher being that can travel interdimensionally if they were to exist. I don't believe, or potentially they are that and they travel back in, they are us traveling back to observe us in, uh, you know, interdimensional anti-gravity vehicles. Okay, if I had to tell you what I think it is, that's what I think it is. I don't think it's they live on a planet and they fly over here and they have a look at us. That's a bit too simple, all right? Um, or they fucking suck up a cow, you know, suck off a cow. But what's interesting now is Grush, um, who uh, drafted language all about UAPs for this um, FY 2023 National Defense Author Authoriz Authorization Act, right? And it's been signed into law by President Biden in 2022. This There's a provision that states any person now with relevant UAP information can inform Congress without retaliation, regardless of any previous non-disclosure agreements. Meaning we're going to get a fuckload more of it. Doodly, 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 doodly. Ding, ding, ding. He said he reported to Congress on the existence of a decades-long, publicly unknown Cold War for recovered and exploited physical material, a competition with near-peer adversaries over the years to identify UAP crashes slash landings and retrieve the material for exploitation slash reverse engineering to garner asymmetric national defense advantages. I mean, Hitler went looking for the occult stuff so that he could make super Nazis. We're talking about alien uh, army. We're talking about alien armies, guys. Okay. Grush in 2022 provided Congress with hours of recorded classified information transcribed into hundreds of pages, which included specific data about the materials um, and the recovery program. And Congress had not been provided with any physical materials related to the wreckage or other non-human um, projects. It also says that the materials recovered from these crafts have unique atomic arrangements and radiological signatures indicating their unconventional nature. Um, but what's very interesting about it is just the credibility of David Charles Grouch. This is a guy who literally has the credentials and can, can show from his LinkedIn profile that he was specifically tasked with figuring this out, that they set out for him to figure it out. He did figure it out. Now the government don't want him talking about it. Anyway, juicy stuff. Keep watching the stars. Thanks so much for watching this pod and listening to it. If you like this pod, can you please go on Spotify and give me a little rate in there? Give me a little cheeky little five stars. Apple Pods, if you want to write something nice about it, I'd love to see that. And if you're watching this on YouTube, I know it's hard. Sometimes you click into this through an Instagram link and you're like, oh, but now I have to actually have to log in. Log in. Log in to YouTube. Do it. One. If half the people who actually watch these videos actually subscribed, I'd be making fucking serious numbers. Well, eventually. But please do that. Subscribe and hit the little notification bell. If you like this pod, would like a little bit more. I do a Patreon pod, a free podcast, only for the price of a pint a month. But there's four extra podcasts every single month. Some podcasts include last week I did a walking tour of Dublin that you can follow yourself from Henry Street all the way up to Grappen Street. I talked about my first ever gig I did, old jobs I did, and places that I used to get the meat. Get some birds. Temple Bar Music Centre. Check it out. It's only